All right, folks, you are listening to and watching the Shai Fleischer Show here on my Facebook page, YouTube channel, and the Land of Israel Network. We have a very exciting program with you for you today. I'm very excited about it because the world needs some answers, and we're going to uh, mix in some Torah. We're going to mix in some of the realities of uh, what's happening on the ground or the unrealities, should I say, of what's happening out there in the world. And uh, to help us guide through the topsy-turvy situation out there is Rabbi Mike Foyer. Rabbi Mike, shalom and welcome. Ah, uh, Yishai, how are you doing? It's great to be with you uh, today, uh, and it's great to be uh, live and alive um, with this alive. awesome platform. It is definitely good to be live. It beats the alternative on almost all occasions. Today <laughs> we're going to be talking about, as I have it right now, the... the oh, it's a, look at that. Isn't it, look, 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 by mistake. This is so funny. I had I wanted to write the sin of the spies. I asked you about that. That is so funny. I didn't understand. I, I asked you. I said, "Is that what you wanted to write?" And you said, "Yes." It's actually the quite the spin of the spies yeah. instead of the sin of the spies. That's so right on. You know what lesson I take from this? You're not listening to me. <laughs> you know what? I, I think I didn't understand exactly what you're referring to. I thought you were talking about. Okay. Anyway, the sin of the, you don't understand me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, the reason that Rabbi Mike Foyer and myself are laughing about this is because the show is really dedicated today to the issue of spin and to the issue of, of, of narratives. And I came up with a new term. Let's start up the show like that. I like it. Your other terms have been very useful to me. Yeah, I'm very excited about this particular term. I'm about to tell you right now. Um, I wrote on Twitter, and this has done very well on Twitter for me, relatively. I wrote, America is not a racist country. Israel is not an occupier. We must fight the subversion narratives. Subversion narratives. That's the new term that I came up with. There are are subversion narratives out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. And these narratives are are meant to subvert uh, the, the, I wouldn't say the dominant paradigms, but the paradigms that that basically the societal, the civilizational paradigms uh, that are holding uh, countries like like the United States, like Israel together. And if you undermine power. Say that again? I said they're meant to subvert power. Right. And and one of the number one ways in which um, power is subverted, if you're going to say it that way today, um, is by labeling it as such. Because in the postmodern discourse, there are only victims and perpetrators. So therefore, if you have power, you're a villain. Right? And, and so... You know, if you look, by the way, I just saw that Webster's has been encouraged by uh, some young woman out there to change their, or let's say enhance their definition of racism to include an element of systematic oppression, which I think is actually an accurate description. But the point being, it's about structures of power. And and and, and if you don't understand that, it's almost impossible to really get, um, like, even to the extent of the, the tweet you made, which is very well expressed. I mean, before we started, you said that I would actually disagree with it. I'm curious. I what you, I, I, you know, because because I wasn't sure exactly where you fall out on this question. To me, uh, the United States of America, the country that I, I lived in for now a little bit less than half my life, uh, is not a racist country. And I'm certain that this country, our country, Israel, uh, is not an occupying country. And I'm certain that those two narratives are there. L- let's just talk about the Israel occupation narrative. That's certainly a narrative trying to undermine the story of Zionism, the story of Judaism, Jewish presence in the land of Israel, our indigeneity here, our legal rights here, our historical connection to this place. It tries to undermine all that. The word occupation with it is a total subversion narrative about the very identity of the Jewish people as a Middle Eastern people, as a people from this place, et cetera, et cetera. 
And you know what the most important part of that phrase I heard was? Total narrative. You can right. always look out for it. Anytime any narrative proposes to have solved it all, to neatly package the complex history of a great country like the United States, or our own amazing country, into an idea, a racist country, an occupier, right away you need to say, mm, BS. Right. That's not to say, by the way, and this is why I assume you thought I would disagree, at least with the first half, it's not to say that racism hasn't played a major, used to play a major role in American society. Okay, that's called history. It's a reality. Right. But but only a simpleton would look at America and call it a racist country as a sort of sweeping um, sort of condemnation of the complex and amazing political and human experiment that has been the United States for over 200 years. In the same way, to my great sadness, our posture within our land right now has elements of the posture of an occupier. We have not yet declared ourselves sovereign in Yudan Shomron. So there is truth to that. Our posture is an occupying posture. The minute that we decide to be sovereign, then that element of it will disappear except or it will become the lie that it is. You understand what I'm saying? It's the, the, to, the total. And by the way, as a counsel, I can tell you this. When you speak to people and they say, I'm, I'm a bad person. We call that totalizing or or he's terrible, right? It's called totalizing. Anytime you reduce a complex personality and certainly a country to one thing, you know right away that there's some destructive narrative going in your head. Mm -hmm. And I think that you um, identified it correctly is that everybody wants power. Everybody wants power. Even if it's only power over myself to feel safe. And the, the problem of the postmodern world is they don't feel good about wielding power because they lack any narrative of heroism that would be the use of power in service of values, ideals, justice, etc. So therefore, the subversion narrative allows you to gain power while still feeling like a victim. That was a, that's a lot of stuff you just said. That's a lot of just – let's just break that down because those are two separate things. First, you're saying that the postmodern condition, which just, just to make it a little bit more lay-sounding, uh, which is – Basically, the idea that all truths are equal or there is no overriding truth, yeah. which is called the postmodern condition. All the death uh, of the grand narratives, all the great stories that held our society together up now, religion, right. civil, civic you know, values, virtues, etc., notions of human progress, all dead. And it's just about power. Now, let's say that second thing, which is, which is if I undermine that, speaking, everyone needs to feel safe and empowered. As individuals, mm -hmm. I would say also as groups. The problem in the postmodern world is if you seek power, by definition, you're evil because there are only victims and perpetrators. The way in which you can maintain the moral purity, so to speak, and I mean that with deep sarcasm, of, um, of being a victim and yet still get the power, which in the end of the day you still need, is through something like the subversion narrative. Look at the pictures today in America. And I hate, I'm sorry that we keep talking about America, but what's happening is, is just like just add a little parenthesis for everybody, which is uh, like a disclaimer. This show in general and this discussion that we have with Rabbi Mike every week is, is about Israel and about Judaism and about Israel's role in the world. Change my example then. But, but I'm saying when, when we talk about the United States, though, it is important to understand e even a big Zionist Jewish and, and rabbi discussion uh, it, it recognizes that, that the United States is the cultural power of the world today. What happens in America has an influence on the rest of the world. And there's a certain drama that's going on there. You called and, it before the show a psychodrama. Yeah, and, and by the way, and because America represents a very important event in human political development. development. Mm -hmm. and so therefore, we as a people, there's a reason the Founding Fathers identified themselves with our story, mm -hmm. right? That's a, a whole discussion unto itself. So, But I'll change my example. 
the the um, anti-annexation rally that just took place this past week, I think, in, the, in Tel Aviv, it was noteworthy how many Palestinian PLO flags were being flown there. That's right. Now, here you have people who will avowedly tell you that they are you know, you know, ultra progressives, they believe in individual rights, human rights, you know, the LGBTQ women's rights, et cetera, et cetera. And they're waving the flag of an impressive dictatorship society. Mm -hmm. how, how does that happen? How is there this inversion where you have to elevate the people that you feel guilty about having oppressed, even though they represent everything which you oppose? That's the psychodrama element of what's happening. And are themselves, have themselves been our oppressors for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, you right? skip back to the previous chapters, right? right. <laughs> Go back to the, and, and, you know, where you begin the story, of course, is much of what the, it will teach you. By the way, there have been a lot of, as usual in these situations, there's been a lot of humor. And from the Jewish world, I have seen bless, uh, uh, I've seen Jews in synagogues, and the guys are wearing black hats, and it said "Black Hats Matter." I don't and now, that yeah, and then I saw "Black Stripes Matter" now, which is the tefillin. But you know what? You know what? It, it is silly, and it's completely not uh, on the point. And people are suffering, and people are dying on on good and bad people. Um, but the Jewish people, you know, uh, we have our own, in, in a sense, what, what I think is funny about that is to say, you know, if there was any uh, people that, that ever had a gripe over others in history, uh, it would be our gripe with a lot of peoples in this world. And you know what? We do hold those grudges. My father, by the way. My, yeah, my right. father was, 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 was completely unwilling to buy German products. Mm -hmm. And he was in the chemistry business, always read about the, the, the you know, there's a lot of the Nazi story is, is there's a lot to it. You could, you could analyze it from a lot of different stories, but he was always analyzing it from the world of IG Farben and the right. chemical giants that created the cyclone B and other things that they did. And, and benefited he was, massively from our slave labor, right? Benefited massively from our slave labor. That's right. Uh, and at the same time though, um, we're not calling for down with Germany or the destruction of Germany today. We were just calling for the destruction of the Nazi regime. Go ahead. And I'll tell you what it is, you know, this phenomenon that's happening right now, which as a student of history horrifies me of, of tear down the monuments. Yeah. I mean, forget the fact that, that they're, that they want to tear down Winston Churchill, one of the great heroes of, of Western history who single handedly right. rallied his nation to stop the largest monster humanity has ever produced. Like we're going to go there. Like, and, I, I think and, and, and the, 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 the spray painting on the, and he was a racist. It was racist. The big tweet that that went out in the Twitter world was, you know, well, w wait till they find out about the other guy. I don't know. Maybe Churchill was a racist. Maybe maybe they're looking at some of his writings. I mean, like, I'll, I'll, like, I'll assume that the world is not completely populated with morons and evil people. And mm -hmm. okay, nevertheless, to reduce him. And this is what's happening in the world right now. This is simple, the simplification in order to feed the polarization to give very particular people power or the pulling down of these monuments. You know why the Jews don't do that? If we were going to pull down the monuments and destroy the symbols of every society that oppressed us, basically all that would be left would be Australia. I mean, even there, I'm sure we'd find something, some gripe with them. You know, the, the Archititis, I just saw this, somebody tweeted it out. Like Archetitis has been standing for almost 2,000 years. It shows our people being carried away into captivity with right. the most precious religious items that we own. It is a tourist destination. People right. flock to see the glories of Rome. Are we calling for it to be destroyed? No. 
You know why? Because that type of eraser, like erasure culture, we understand as a people leads to misery. It leads to victimhood. It leads to self-repression. We're a people of memory. Right. I'm going to remember Rome. And I'm going to put them into my narrative and understanding how I have risen out of the ashes of their failure. This is something that the rest of the world needs to take to heart. If you think you're going to make yourself feel better by erasing the symbols of your past pain, go talk to a therapist about it. you got to work through those things. You can't just get rid of them. But the, but there are times I, he, he, here. It's it's interesting. Like I, I think here there's there's a confusion. I, I think I think that for example, uh, you got a Churchill who actually saved the world from a horrific racism, a, a horrific uh, 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 mechanized and and uh, systemized racism. So Churchill yeah, saved true. the world from that. But on the other hand, I remember when I saw the uh, and and this is the only other time that i remember statues falling like that it's when saddam hussein's statue was ripped down i was happy you know i thought to myself here's a totalitarian guy a really bad guy and uh and i was i was happy to see that the, the that self those statues now the difference is he put up those statues the statue of right. churchill wasn't put up by churchill it's put up by right. people afterwards history judged them favorably and put up people put up those statues but you know, Saddam Hussein, he took down, uh, he had those statues made of himself. He made himself into a god, uh, like his uh, predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, you know? Right. Um, uh, but but when those- you're, by denying history, you're failing in your education. Take these slave, there was one, some famous slave uh, trader whose statue was pulled down in Bristol recently. Like, I, I think there, should, there doesn't need to be a statue of a slave trader being glorified. You know, if there was a statue of Hitler glorifying, I'd want it pulled down. But yeah. you need to. You need to educate people. You can't just erase these things as if they never happened. Mm-hmm. Because what will happen is, is that the causes still exist within human society and within the human heart. If you don't with, educate people, they will remain. Right. With regarding to the Arch of Titus, we, in many ways, value that arch. Well, because we, we've outlived it. A, because we've outlived it. And I have many friends who go there and literally put on tefillin, pray right next to that arch, and kind of show the victory of the Jewish people over that arch of Titus. But also, we also, in some way, we also, I'm going to say something weird, justify those actions because God was angry at us, and the Romans were the tools of, 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 of God's will. And we're like, yes, we, we remember that, and it was hor- horrific what happened, and they were bad, and they were enslavers and all that, and yet we also repent for the sin that, for which they were empowered to destroy us. And now you've put your finger on the secret of our success. People ask all the time, how is it the Jews who, you know, if you took it from the arc of history, have certainly been the most oppressed people in human history, meaning there may have been times and places where it was better or worse for this one or that one, but over our history, how is it we've always not only survived, but thrived? How is it that we've returned to our land and we're building a, a country that is is the envy of the world, so to speak, positive envy, God willing, um, the answer is very simple. It's two pieces. First of all, we know that we were chosen. We know we're special. And that's not our exclusive province. Because everyone's created in the image of God. And if other peoples understood that they were special as well, that would help them a lot. The number two, and even more important, which goes hand in hand, is that we also understand that everything is our responsibility. Whatever happens to us, Including our punishers, you mean? Including, including the does not absolve them. Notice we've managed to hold that dichotomy that we ever since the Rambam and his whole analysis of Egypt. I mean, there's there's quite a bit of literature on this. We're Jews, after all, right? Um, That on one hand, God, how could God punish the Egyptians? Because God told Abraham that the Egyptians were going to 
oppress them. So weren't the Egyptians simply a, a sort of a, lacked any agency? They were fulfilling the divine will. And, you know, on the other hand, they all were punished by the ten plagues and drowned in the sea. The Rambam says, in short, basically says, well, God said the Egyptians were going to make the Jews suffer. He didn't say this guy, that guy, and this guy are going to beat their slaves. And instead of no, every individual is responsible for what they do. But the arc of history that's in the hands of the Lord, as we say, and we as a people understand that means that the only real way to get get ahead in history is to hold everyone, including our oppressors, responsible for what they do, but more than anyone else, ourselves. Right. That's, That's right. It. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, I just, I want to I move past this topic, but, but last one, which is defund the police. Uh-huh. I have to tell you, there is something I find humorous in this language, humorous in a dark way. <laughs> De- defund the police. So I have a tweet that I'm going to come out later with, which is defund the police is not enough. Let's also defund the courts. The courts uphold what the police does. It's part of the same law and justice system. Let's let's defund the government that gives legitimacy to the courts. Let's defund. Hold on, hold on. You'll get it. Let's let's defund. Let's defund civilization in general. Like like, what are we talking about here? I mean, I mean, you're taking about absurdum, but but you are correct. We're and, and here's here's what I want to ask you. Yeah, I, I want to ask you a psychological question, which is. Obviously, the interest here is somewhere like a pull towards anarchy. It's there, there's That's some kind of, of anarchical. There's, there's some kind of, and I've seen this in some people. There's these. It's interesting. I find that a related uh, uh, emotional phenomenon is is messianism. Messianism is somehow related to anarchism, which yeah. is uh, is that a word? Anarchism, but it's. Yeah. Um, Anarchism, which is this, uh, which is this, this will for things to dissolve or magically get fixed. But you know, they're related. That philosophy, uh, an anarchist is not the same as a nihilist. Okay, I mean, meaning, meaning that we tend to misuse the term anarchy because we associate it with the phenomenon of chaos and disorder, which is mm-hmm. fair in history. Anarchists have advocated destruction of the current order by any means necessary. Often, not all of them. There's a whole split in the anarchist movement. Um, but but remember, anarchism, anarchy, the anarchist huh? perspective is a, is a utopian idealist perspective, which is why right. you said link to messianism. The, 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 well, I can make an argument, I won't do it now, but the, the Torah has an anarchist ideal. Everyone under their own vine and under their own fig tree. Mm-hmm. Right? That, 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 that the yes. Torah expects every individual to fulfill their obligations to God and society, and government in, exists ad hoc insofar as there are elements of the world which the individual cannot do on their own. But it doesn't exist a priori as, as, a, as a means for reducing the freedom of the individual. Now, there, the Torah has many political visions, but that's one I could pull out for you. I, I would say the, the, the how I've learned it from, uh, from other great rabbis, actually, is um, that the Torah can exist or knows how to exist in various political modalities. It can exist in, uh, you know, in a time of what's that? Does it have a vision? It, it has a vision for a moral society that can exist in various economic or political realities. It could oh, okay. play. It, it could. It could. It could fit itself into various things. But, but, but ultimately, the Torah expects human moral and um, psychic evolution, moral and yeah. spiritual evolution, mm-hmm. and that and that's what an anarchist is, is expecting as well as as well as a messiness that but, humanity will learn to take care of itself. 
But the difference, what to me is anarchy is is maybe what you said before, chaos, and another word which I like a lot, which is entropy. I always mm -hmm. understand that there's something entropic in, in this will, and entropy is really the interest of all energies to go into a lesser uh, energetic lower state. state, right, a lower state. I, I, I feel that a lot of times. There's this, like, there's this interest, and right now these riots, to me, are, are uh, to try to dissolve or devolve you know, the most evolved area in the world, let's say the Northeast of the United States, one of the most evolved civilizational places, and or for example, an ancient place like Aleppo here in the Middle East, which was one of the most ancient habitations. And you see it just dissolve into, into kind of, into its, into its dust instead of its, its fancy and wonderful buildings. You know, yeah. it, it wants to go down. Now, want, now wait one second, one second. You, yeah. you had in, in the Torah portion of Noah, you had in Noah, you have... On the one hand, you have the destruction of the world because people were willing to loot one another to death and to and to riot and loot to death, and and the, God said it was bad. But the other side, which is build it all up and make a, a huge tower, an, a, a tower of power, if you will. Okay, that was also uh, uh, God had to had to undermine that, uh, maybe yeah. less violently. But basically, there's two modalities there, and they're both messed up. You know, when you're way like you just like everything that's that's good and built up in this world, let's just bring it down, let's turn it to dust, or let's just harness every single like the German type of deal. Let's harness every creative energy, but fight God and fight humanity with that. Yes, and and, and the I mean, listen, we could go very far with this discussion. And perhaps perhaps we should cut off. I do want to just poke a little bit. Don't don't fall too much prey to your own rhetoric. The 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 um, defund the police slogan that's out there is a catchy slogan. But if you want to understand what's actually being um, advocated, it's if you just look at the relative budgets for major urban areas in America, and you compare what's spent on health and welfare services as opposed to what's compared on police, it's it, the, the the disparity is nothing short of shocking. Mm -hmm. And there's two different perspectives on crime, right? One, you can treat crime in the way it's treated now, which is basically a, a, um, a military posture, which is why the American police is true of police all over the Western world have been increasingly militarized, or you can treat crime as a social disease. If you treat crime as, on a, with a military posture, you your funding goes to the police department, inevitably so. They must be equipped to do their job. And for all the sort of evil individuals that may be involved, people should be grateful for the fact that American law enforcement does its job, it does it well, does it consistently and thanklessly day in and day out. Mm -hmm. People only notice the cops when they mess up. Right. Um, the at the same time, if one treated crime as a social disease, then putting that type of resource into health and welfare services could potentially produce equal or better results. Mm -hmm. It's not a call to get rid of the police, except for the, the morons out there that are sloganeering. And I encourage you not to give them any more airtime than they're already getting. Right. I appreciate what you're saying. I, I appreciate what you're saying. I, 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 it is important to remember that that the United States has a very high level of incarceration, uh, incarceration. Excuse me. And by the way, and, has a disproportionate racial representation. What they right. call mass incarceration of young black men. I've participated mm -hmm. in the justice system. It's it's a reality. Yeah, it's a reality which has its roots in many many things. Nobody's hands are clean. To call America a racist society is just like I said, it's, it's disgustingly simplistic. But to mm -hmm. say there's not a problem of racism in America is also to ignore a reality. Mm -hmm. I wish I really, if I could, if I could give a, a session for the United States of America right now and sit, sit sit Lady Liberty down, I would just say, 
if you would just be a little bit more grateful, yeah, a little bit more grateful for the such a blessings that you have. There's such a lack of gratitude right now, such a lack of. If they would just have like a national day of prayer. By the way, I saw uh, I was reading Lincoln speeches, and there was a Lincoln uh, a letter basically calling for a national day of prayer over over some issue. And mm -hmm. it just I I I would just say America like. Calm down. Take a deep breath. Love each other a little bit more. Be thankful. Be thankful for your blessings and try to find some purpose. I think if yeah. America would be like, guys, okay, we've been blessed. We're starting to flip out because we have no purpose. Let's have a purpose. So let's, would, you know, let's help. Let's help Mexico. Let's, I don't know what, let's fix yeah. the, the inner city problem. But like, really, like, 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 like really, really, really work at it. Like really, really like, let's go nuts and like make, make the situation in these places, like really better, like concerted effort. Like let's go nuts. Let's not manage the situation. Let's go nuts at it. Like, like, like let's let, you know, Apple and Google go nuts and figure yeah. out how to help the, the inner city of let's say Chicago or Detroit. You know, if you want an idea, which packages all those elements of, of gratitude and kindness to one another and a common purpose and the reintroduction of, of public ritual, it's called civic culture. And, and, and civic culture in America has broken down. And by the way, we here in Israel need to take to heart the fact that civic culture needs to be cultivated, needs to be encouraged Right, one of the most important what do you mean elements. By culture? Do you mean how a bill becomes a law that you put on no, the back no, of the no, cereal no. box? What do you mean? It, by that? It, it's a culture which starts in education. It also has to be put into action. Politics and common purpose are an element, but it boils down to a um, a emotional, ideological, and action oriented stance toward being part of the same society. Even the elements which I disagree, etc. And and that's civic. It's you know, civic Reverend Mike. My best friends in the world, including yourself, uh, the reason I've, I've I've recognized that that I that I I am very fortunate to have what in my opinion are excellent excellent friends, um, is uh, is that we're on the same mission. Yes, I almost don't have any friends that are not on the same mission one way or another. Because it's hard to go deep with people that aren't on the same track. Right, but 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 the, another, that, that's one way of saying it. But another way of saying it is when you have a joint mission. You have camaraderie, and there's got to be a mission. There's got to be a mission, and and it was it was Prime Minister Netanyahu's economist, uh, Eugene, something. He brought me into. I was in his office in the Prime Minister's office, mm -hmm. Kendall, Eugene Kendall, Eugene Kendall, and I sat with him, and he said to me, and I'll forget this. He said. He said, like, the 40s, we had a mission of ingathering the exile. The 50s, we were building the national carrier. The 60s, we had the Six-Day War. The 70s, I don't remember what. The 80s, we had the Russian influx. We always had these grand missions, and they brought us together. He's like, we need a new grand mission. That's what yep. he said to me without an answer. He didn't have an answer. But that was just, yep. I was like, that is a good, that is a good. I think America has no grand mission. Yep. Buying the next Samsung flat screen is not a grand mission. No, and and without that mission, and I just I put out a podcast on this last week, got some some heat on it. Um, without that mission, you're not able to actually work with the bill that comes due in history. It's always important to remember that that um, history, every society is built on justice, injustice, good decisions, bad decisions, fortune, misfortune. That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Societies which survive and thrive are those that are able to receive the bills which come due from their past in a way in which they say, wow, that was really bad. We got to fix that. Why? Because there's a we. <laughs> there's a society I'm committed right. to. Is it always serving my immediate interests? Right. Did it always do right by me? Those are important questions, but they're not the fundamental. 
Are you part of the society or not? And what you're seeing, the anarchist element that you're seeing, I think you are correct in identifying, is starting to say no. No, no. Right. And, 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 and here, I, I don't know if you're on the same page as this. I think a lot of people and a lot of listeners to my show also feel that there are there are interested parties oh, yeah. who want to be catalysts of anarchy, breakdown, violence. I would be shocked if there weren't foreign interested parties involved right. in this. I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but put it this way. If I were China and Russia, which are America's two major competitors for world power, I would be a fool not to be finding ways to like right. even and right. inflame and like, you know. So it's interesting you say that because that's exactly where this term I came up with this today, this morning, from a conversation with my mom. I was having a conversation with her, and it came to me that the Soviet KGB style thinkers the big word for them was subversion. Subversion. Right. Remember, you that once told me that their motto was subvert everything. Subvert everything. Subvert everything. Find 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 members of society who are uh, who are unhappy uh, and, and unsatisfied and unfulfilled, and and stoke them. Stoke the stoke the, the conflicts, the inner conflicts. Right. Like, to, so I'm like, this is a subversion narrative that's happening right now. Yes. All right. Let's. Effective. All right. So you mentioned your 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 show, uh, which is called. Uh, Jewish Story, and it's found here at jewishstory.co. I put it up here, uh, and everybody should definitely check it out. And also your um, counseling work. People can reach you at uh, facebook.com forward slash Rav Mike, and also Rav Mike at gmail.com. No, Rav Mike Foyer. Rav Mike Foyer. But they can also, on the Jewish Story there, they'll see a contact. Very good. Okay. Now, now uh, as as we started the show, the, the, the Torah topic that we want to talk about is this week's Torah portion. Uh, book of uh, Numbers, book of In the Desert, uh, Bamidbar. And we have a very, very famous story. I would say it's the uh, seminal story of, of the times that we're living in, and it's called The Sin of the Spies. And by, by providential error, I wrote on the title today, The Spin of the Spies, which I'm telling you was completely erroneous. Like it was an error. It was not... I know because I asked you and you right. I did not even understand what you were talking about, but it's so perfect. The spin of the spies. <laughs> that is just funny, and so uh, the 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 reason the reason I call it the the reason that it uh, that it's been providentially called the spin of the spies uh, is um, a tactic. And before we get to that tactic of the spies, I just want to quickly look. Um, uh, here's a question here. Lou Weiss says, Lou Weiss is listening right now. A good friend of mine says, Yishai, just curious. Why are you called rabbi and Mike Foyer is called Rav? That's a very it's, profound answer to that. Yeah, the, yeah what's your answer? What did you say? Marketing. Marketing. I chose the exactly brand what Marketing. That's exactly it. That's the answer to that. And Julie says, Julie says, love this conversation. Thank you, Julie. God bless you. And we have here a friend also, uh, Seba, Seba Uremadu. Ure Awesome. He says, good Rabbi Ishai, on your comments of how your father refused to buy German products to demonstrate his hatred for the Holocaust activities of Germany. Very good. Um, and then, and then, um, and then, yeah, uh, yeah, I think, I think Oliveira here answers the question. Was on purpose. That's right. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it was not on purpose. Yeah, it was not on purpose. It was, it was funny. Um, okay, so we have a lot of people who are joining us from all over the world. Thank you very much. So here we go. Sin of the Spies. Let's talk about it. So we have here one of the one of the uh, great stories, and the story is basically that at the edge. Let me let me just set it up a little bit. 
you know, there are, I like to think of the story of the Exodus as three stations, three mm -hmm. stations, maybe even four. There's the Exodus. That's station number one. We leave Egypt behind. Bye-bye. Then there is actually the splitting of the Red Sea as its own, is its own drama. It's its own story. It's when God is showing himself in full, you know, his full power. And also the nation, they go into the sea as individuals that are gathered. And they come out a nation. Yeah. That's the, the birth canal of, of the splitting of the Red Sea. Uh, and then, okay, we're a, we're a nation. We are reborn as a people. We are one. We're not just a bunch of slaves. We are we are a Jewish people now. We are Am Israel. We remember we're not no longer a collection of Hebrews. We are Israelites. We're children of Israel, and now we're marching and we're marching to the middle of the Sinai Desert to receive the Torah at Mount Sinai. Now that we're a nation, we also have a national mission. And that national mission has to be explained. It has to be brought down, and that's through this incredibly complex and 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 full and and demanding and beautiful and deep. It's called the Torah, which is God's word written down and told to us with his laws, with, with, with his narratives, and basically the tale of the Jewish people in this thing called the Torah. Okay, so you came out of slavery. You, 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 you went through the Red Sea, you became a nation. You got the Torah. Stage three, stage three or four, however you want to count it, we're heading to the Holy Land. Let's right? Go right, we've been trained. The basketball team's been trained. Now let's get on the court. Right? Let's, let's play. Let's play, baby. Put me in, coach. Put me in. Put me in, coach. Right? Yeah. And and that's what happens when you go to the land of Israel. That's where the Torah and the nation play out their role. Absolutely. At the edge of the land of Israel, the, the Jewish people are about to go in. They say, Moses, let's send in spies. Let's balk. do this. To huh? It's a balk. balk. It's a buck. It's a buck, right? Baseball, you know? Yeah, it's a buck. It's a baseball buck. We were talking basketball before, but okay. Um but that's fine. We can switch over to baseball. It's a balk. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not sure how to conquer it. The good way of, of spinning that narrative is they wanted to understand how to militarily conquer the land. The bad way of thinking about it is it's a balk. They're not trusting in God. Well, right? listen, the dominant theme of this entire story is fear. Mm. Right. And, and so, so, and there's nothing wrong with the fact that they're afraid. It makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. The question is never whether you're afraid. The question is is um, how you act in face of your fear. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of layers here. There's what happens to the people, and there's also what happens to Moshe's leadership. But I'll show, I'm sure we'll we'll come to that shortly. Yeah. So anyway, you were right. So 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 it starts out as fear. It starts out as fear. They're afraid, and the truth is, if you see a few a few chapters beforehand. No, not a few chapters in the book of Exodus beforehand. We remember that God spared them from going through the land of the Philistines because they may have to face battle and they are not ready. Yep. They're not emotionally ready. They're, they're a generation of spies. They've never faced their taskmasters. They saw them get chewed up and spit out on the sea, but they didn't put sword to them. They didn't fight them. And, and so what's the difference between the people that came out from Egypt in your, in your map of the stages of the Exodus? What's the fundamental difference between what would happen in, in Bishalach and Shalach, which, you know, uh, that Bishalach is the one that starts with God saying, well, you know, I'm not going to send them by way of the uh, coast to the, 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 you know, the high speed route. I'll send them around the back. What stage is stuck in between there, of course? Sinai. What is it that gives you courage 
the fact that you have a mission which is larger than you. Right. If you know that you have a mission that's larger than you, that it's a divine mission, that it may not turn out well for you. Let's let's be clear about that. And I tell this to my kids sometimes when they are scared and like sit in a bomb shelter or, you know, or like things are bad. I say, listen, and they say, in God, in God promise who's going to protect us. I said, God promise is going to protect Ami. So, right. He didn't make that promise to you and I. That's, that's on right. us. That's right. That's right. That's right. By the way, that's that's just uh, as, as a square brackets parentheses. I always wish I could go back to speak with uh, with Elisha Ben Abuy and just say to him, "Bro, you, you misunderstood that. You misunderstood it that." Lengthening of the days is not individual; it's a national lengthening of the days. I wish I could have told him that. I, I feel like I feel like he could, he would have like been like, "Oh, okay, I get that now." I'm <laughs> like, because you easily... what's that? <laughs> you don't think any of the the Tanaim like mentioned that to him? I'd like to think yes, but but uh, but then but again, like know. I just I just feel like how like like it's such an easy argument. It's like it's an eternal people. It's that, not itself, an eternal that itself tells you that in the end of the day, people don't generally get pulled to heresy because of ideas. People get pulled into heresy because of inner wounds and relationships. Yeah, right. And I so guess we. You will, see that a lot. I guess you see yeah. that a lot in the yeah. therapy work. Um, uh, but, but you know what? Okay. So let, let's get back on track here. Yeah. Being afraid is okay. It's cool. It's all right. To be this situation. <laughs> yes. But there's a difference between having fear and broadcasting fear, especially broadcasting fear on purpose as in, as in projecting power. Stoking fear power. power. Right. Okay. But just in general, like, let's just talk about like fear as a, as a, as a, as a, you're not supposed to broadcast fear. You're not supposed to broadcast fear. You're not supposed to send out fear. I mean, you can warn people if there's a danger, like oh, ahead of you is a is, is is a pothole. Be careful. But that's not fear. That's caution. That's something else. But but what happened is like let's just go through it. What happened is is that the spies get sent in. They 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 tour. That's an interesting word because that's also the Hebrew word for it. They tour la tour They they walk the land. They tour the land for forty days. Can we pause one second on that term? Because, of course, there are Parsha, that idea of comes back at the end of the Parsha with the famous paragraph of Tzitzit, right? And they, that we say, that you shouldn't go astray right. after your eyes and your heart. Because in the end of the day, a tourist is a person, as opposed to someone who actually lives in a place, a tourist is someone who brings their reality with them and sees the place where they are through their own lens. As opposed to someone who lives there who just strives to be where they are. And so the, the spies brought their fear with them. Right. They saw it through the eyes of their fear. That's right. And so in many and, ways, and they never saw the land. That's why Caleb and, and Yoshua had a fundamentally different experience than them. Right. So, so you, had, you had 12 spies all together. Then you had and you had two who saw it one way and 10 who saw it a different way. And the 10 that, that came back and gave a report to the camp, they started speaking normally. But then they started saying, the land is a good land but we won't be able to conquer it. And the Medrash takes it another level is that they would walk into tents and feign fainting. They would, they would act like they passed out and they would be all scared and they would say, oh my God, I just don't want to see your children die. If we go into this land, we're going to be, we're going to be destroyed and mutilated. We're going to be, we're going to be decimated. And so I'm, I'm so afraid for you. And they, and they went in and they actually, the term is, is the, 
And that term, by the way, appears, I think, twice, once in the Psalms talking about this, and also once in the book of Deuteronomy, Devarim talking about this, they melted the hearts. Yeah. Melting the hearts. This melting the heart came through the narrative or the spin. That's the spin of the spies. They spun it that it's scary. Well, what's the famous picture of the spies? Carrying the uh, the uh, the fruits. Carrying the Moshe, fruit. Moshe told them, bring back the fruits. Right. It's always disturbing to me that that's the image of the Israeli tourism ministry. But I mean, it makes perfect sense why it is. But like the deeper level of it, I'm never comfortable with it. Um, but why did they bring them back? You know what Rashi says? In order to show how scary and crazy those fruits are. I mean, that's the ultimate spin. Look at these fantastic fruits. You see this lamb we're going to? Now imagine how big the people who eat grapes that look like that are, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you draw them in and then you whoop. You know, like, right. it's, it's, perfect. It's, an, it's an inversion. It's a warping. It's a yeah. warping. And what the eyes see and understand. And But by the way, just for a second, let's also understand, uh, let's respect the power of teaching and the power of perception. Like you can perceive facts very differently. Like there's a certain truth in the post narrative uh, 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 mindset, which is like, hey, I can really shape the way this person looks at this fruit. How how does a person look at a fruit? How does he see this fruit? Does he see it as uh, a, a sign that will be will be conquered, or this is a land of blessings? Uh, it's, it's, what's that? All in how you frame it. It's all in how you frame it, and how the other person sees it. Uh, and we see the power of that. That's that's by the way the power of Goebbels in the in the Nazi effort. Goebbels was was a, was a genius, and he understood that it's not gonna it's not gonna be enough to just you know gas people and kill them. You really have to you really got to create a whole society that's gonna follow you, that's gonna get excited by a vision. He was a great unifier of of a vision, an atrocious, a horrific vision. Yeah, but you know he knew what he was doing. He he created. A narrative, you know what I mean? That that people that people and he drew by the way upon something that was deep inside the German psyche. So too, the spies understood that the people were in a fearful place, and that you could easily uh, uh, harp on that and make well, them. Listen, there's one line that I think is the most illuminating psychological statement in the entire parsha. I'm looking at um, at uh, the 13th chapter, line 33. Right now, you have to remember that the the that everyone both speaking and being spoken to has a direct experience of slavery mm -hmm. Has the direct experience of that power is that which holds the whip hand. Now they've also been at Sinai now. So like things have been loosened and they saw God destroy the Egyptians, but, but you don't shake off 210 years of slavery in, in the space of a few months or even a few years. Oh. So they say right there, we saw the Nephilim, B'nai Anak, Mina Nephilim, giants, the sons of giants. Here it is. Right. We were in our own eyes like grasshoppers or locusts. And, 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 and so too we were in their eyes. The right. depth of, of psychological understanding this. I mean, as soon as they saw themselves as small, they understood that they were small in the eyes of their enemies. And they lost any hope that they would have the, the, the power, the worth, the whatever fortitude you want. And and um, they infected. I mean, fear is infectious. That's what it is. That's what it is. They infected, infected the, 
But you see yeah. in this the whole COVID thing. I mean, like like you see, I, unfortunately, the Israeli media. I don't know how your experience of it is, but they but they're like obsessed right now with the, how many infections, how many yeah. infections. Yeah, I'm not I'm not so into it, but I know what you mean exactly. The the, the, the fear is actually the most sub subversive of all narratives, yeah. and it's also very catching. It's very very catching. Fear is a Bottom very line, you can make a person afraid. You can control them. Right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's right. Make a person so you can control them. Because the next move, by the way, is Nitnu Rosh Lachzor Mitzrayim. Like, let's get a new leader. And notice how it turns on Moshe right away. Right. Right. And that's right. where there's also a whole commentary within this parsha on Moshe's model of leadership. Because don't forget, if you look at the beginning of the book of Devarim, when Moshe retells this story, he says, it seems he says it's because of the sin of the spies that he doesn't go into Egypt. Into Israel, to the land of Israel. Sorry, into Israel, right. That's um, you know, because for the first time ever, right, how's it play out? The people come to Moshe, we want to send spies. What's Moshe do? What's Moshe always do when people want something? Saw so it just a couple weeks ago. We, Moshe, what are we supposed to do? We're, we're, we're yeah, in here with God. the dead. Yes, God. For the first and only time, God's answer to Moshe is, I don't know, Moshe, what, what are you going to do? Shalom. Right. You, you think it's right? And Moshe is unable to speak to their fear. He's That's unable right. to do it because Moshe was on Sinai. He, if there's anything Moshe does not understand, it's fear of flesh and blood. Not only that, he doesn't just he was on Sinai. Remember Moshe from the beginning? Hey, you can't strike that Jew. I don't care that I'm completely throwing off the entire system within which I was raised. No, yeah, but, like, but, but, I, but, I, but I thought. But 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 I would say also that he was not so good at stepping up to them. To, pu to push back on them, he's not so good at pushback against the Jews. Remember, with the second—that's you gave the first story. The second story, the second people. Once they out him, he doesn't say, "Hey, shut up! I'm trying to save you here." He just runs away. He doesn't know how to stand up to Jews, and that's one of the tougher things. That's one of the tougher things to stand up to Jews. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. You can ask our it's, it's, leadership. It's, it's tough. It's really tough, and and he wasn't able to do that. And it was Kalev ben Yifuneh. Uh, who spoke out against the other spies? By the way, democratically speaking, they were in the minority, but they were just—they happened to be right. Uh, and so, so Caleb and Joshua speak out against the other ten spies, and very famously, they say Caleb uh, Yifune has this tiny monologue. He's got a few monologues in the Bible, and he yeah, says, "It's good one." It's a good one. He goes, "Alo na alo Okay, let, let me find out. Uh, where's that verse? Uh, he says. Um, where where are we? Right? One second, we'll find it. Oh, here it is. So so he says, um uh, well, it's interesting about Caliph Ben Yifune, by the way. I've always noticed this. Everything he says is doubled. He says the land which we walked in it. One second. Oh, here it is. Okay. But yes, this is chapter 13, verses 30. He shush. He shushed the, these folks, and he turned everybody towards Moshe, and he said, no, let us go up and inherit it, for we will indeed be able to uh, 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 capture it, defeat it. We will be able to deal with it. Can uh, you do it? We can do it. By the way, everything he says is doubled. Let us go up, go up, for we will indeed be able to do it. And then later on, he says, and then he says, listen to this. This is one of my favorite lines. If indeed Hashem is, likes us, he loves us, he's with us, and he'll bring us to this land, 
ונתנה לנו ארץ, and he'll give us a land, אשר היא זבת חלב ודבש, which it will be a land flowing in milk and honey. In other words, don't let your eyes deceive you of what you see now. Now is not everything. Now is not everything. He'll bring us to this land and give us a land which will be a land that is milk and honey. See, the, see past right now. He has investors' eyes or Mashiach eyes, if you will. Mashiach. Yeah, but like, but an investor is like that also. He looks at a piece of yeah. you know dirt, dirty lot and he says, "I could see a factory here." You yeah. know what I mean? I, I have create creativity eyes. Yeah. Uh, but they, on the other hand. are going to work, the other spies are going to work exact opposite way. Instead of trying to excite people and turn them on, they're going to try to turn them off and, and sow fear. One of the narratives that the Palestinian uh, narrative uh, uh, focuses on here in Israel is actually the fear, fear narrative. We're scary, we're loud, we're dangerous, we're violent, uh, uh, and you won't be able to defeat us. That's why Jews aren't able to pray on the Temple Mount right now. Even though the Supreme Court, which is sort of no um, bastion of sort of uh, religious Jewish religious fundamentalism, but the Supreme Court has recognized the fact that it's an unjust separation between Jews and Muslims to pray on the, on the Temple Mount. Why, why can't the Jews pray on the Temple Mount? Because the police say that it's a matter of public safety, that, 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 that the riots that will happen will be disastrous, meaning we're being intimidated. And, and we're and we're supporting this narrative that violence and intimidation work works that's right and that's one of the problems of what's happening with now peaceful and, and important protests that are happening in America is that the flames that were fanning the looting haven't gone out they're just smoldering and everybody knows that so there's a little bit of a like yeah we're we're ready to change things right now are you ready to change things right now there's some implied violence in the background in this whole discussion and if not by the way the lid's gonna blow again Now, whether it's being deliberately manipulated or not, that's a discussion I'm not privy to. But it is important to recognize that, that the threat of violence, more often than not, will propagate structures of violence to replace whatever it is you're trying to destroy. Very good point. Let's, let's touch two more points. Do One it. of the hidden points in this week's Torah portion is actually that, that there's commonality between everybody that's in the story, which is the commonality of the forefathers and mothers. It, it's Caleb Kalev who comes to Hebron. <clears throat> He comes to Hebron. And Hebron is really a synonym or a, uh, not a synonym, what I want to, like something that stands for something else. A symbol? Uh, a symbol. It's a symbol. Okay, whatever. It's a symbol for the forefathers and mothers. He comes to them. The Zohar, by the way, says it wasn't him that came. It was actually, oh, it was him, but it was the Shekhinah, God's presence, that came with him. To the my friend Alex Trayman showed me the Zohar uh, that that it was the 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 presence of God came to the forefathers and mothers and said, "Hey, we're I'm coming back with the children. Me and the children, we're coming back. And the kids home. What the, the grandkids home? I'm bringing them home. I'm also bringing myself home. Uh, uh, it, it, by the by the way, uh, this is something I thought of yesterday. If you want to see redemption in the land of Israel, our sages tell us just look at the fruit trees." If the fruit trees are flowering, if the land of Israel is, is flourishing, just know that that's re redemption. And I'll add to that, if you want to know whether God's presence is in the land of Israel, are his children present? Yes. There are Jewish people in the land of Israel? That's God's presence. That means that's a sign that his presence is here amongst us. I mean, listen, one of the definitions of Shekhinah is the collective consciousness of Kuala Yisrael. 
So meaning the, the the I mean we always speak about the Shekhinah as the divine presence, right? So so you only have presence to another person. You don't have presence when you're alone. Mm-hmm. So the the, the the collective consciousness uh, that Am Yisrael holds of the presence of God is the Shekhinah in the world. That is our text. When we when we speak about that it's only really going to happen when all of Am Yisrael looks at Zion and knows God is present. It's it, it, it's a it's an educational and consciousness raising task. Speaking of educational consciousness, uh, a guy named Albert is writing: the Jewish people that once was chosen, but unfortunately des- des- uh, denied the Son of God, etc., etc., etc. I'm going to take my prerogative and just delete that comment. That's right. I'm just going to delete, even though I think it's a world that you could express yourself fairly. But you can use your channels to express that here on our on our uh, uh, Jewish Torah based channel. We will not we will not be uh, hosting. Add the language of the woke world. Don't appropriate my culture, man. <laughs> don't, don't do it. I got called a gentile this week by a, but, by, a, by a black Hebrew who told me that I was a gentile Jew, and I just wrote back to her. I said, aside from the irony that you wrote this on Shabbat, right? <laughs> I was like, don't appropriate my culture. Goodbye. I'm just erased. <laughs> what, what, what was the appropriation that he was doing? She, you know, she was claiming to be an Israelite. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. We are the true Israelites. You're only a Gentile Jew. Isn't that something that, that nations have done throughout? Since, Isn't that? Yeah, we are the only, by the way, consistently from the time of Christianity onwards, it's a, today where a cultural appropriation is like the no-no, right? Um, there's one culture that is completely appropriate to appropriate, and that is ours. Having forefathers and mothers, though, brings people, there's something that unites them. One of the challenges of the United States is that they're not a unified people. And, and maybe, the, maybe, 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 maybe there's, maybe there's something about the globe that needs to have a, a, a like, I'm always amazed. People, everybody wants to come to Jerusalem, but people don't want to come to Hebron so much. But I think to myself, Hebron, I mean, we're, we're changing that. We have a million and a half tourists a year there. But I think to myself, like, humanity should want to come to the roots of humanity. If we had a sense that we are all more united by something, more bound by something together, and I don't mean supernal, I mean actually earthy, earthly. Okay, I mean like 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 there are fathers and mothers. There's an Adam and Eve. If you don't believe in an Adam and Eve, so you don't believe in and you don't believe in a God, right? So you have you don't believe on the lower thing that brings us together and the upper thing that brings us together. You don't believe in united peoplehood, and you don't believe in a united God that kind of we're under. You're in a lot of trouble. You're really, you're really out there on your own. At the same time, you gave the third alternative, which is you could believe in a common mission, meaning that you know America, as you pointed out, not only doesn't have a common history and and roots. In many ways, the history and roots are bound up with very difficult conflict. And but it America could easily, I don't know, easily. That's not fair. America p- could potentially create a civic culture based around healing the wounds of the past. Mm-hmm. But but really healing them, not right. papering them over or just flipping the power dynamic, etc. I mean, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to do such a thing. But we all do have common humanity. Yes, yeah. I, I, like I don't question that. I mean, I don't even question it on the, the realm of our. I, I imagine our, people talk about that. Common humanity, common God, common mission. That gives you I a lot of. Strength. I wouldn't hinge common humanity on the common God, and I'll tell you why because because. Um, even the conception of God is wide-ranging. You start getting into the world of the East, and then Western notions of God are not as relevant. And we can find overlap in discourse, etc. 
But um, whereas pushing this notion, that, which for us, we talk about humanity being created in the divine image, but the simple notion, I think there's something very important about humanism. Humanism as a, as a, as a uh, supremacist homogenizing movement is like every other supremacist homogenizing movement. It's got to go, right? But humanism as a simple fact that you're pointing out, which is, hey, folks, we're all human. There is what, which and I, this is one of the reasons I think that the environmental movement, if it cleanses itself of its own problematics, is a potentially hugely unifying factor, right? Because they, they, like, with only one planet, when the seas rise, it's going to rise the same, well, not the same for all of us, because the poor, disproportionately, are going to, who live in the slums of the coast, but meaning all humanity will be affected. Well, we have a, a comment here? We have a comment from Dan Mastery. Dan Mastery is a very good friend of mine who I miss very much, and he writes something that I'm hearing a lot about. I'm hearing a lot of, there's a lot of chatter in, in, this, in, in this world about the following topic, which is American Jewish Aliyah or immigration to Israel. Says Dan Mastery, two million Americans will soon be arriving at once in the land of Israel. A Jew living almost 250 years unshackled and free. As exile descends within a cultural revolution, the Hebrew nation is in ascension. Okay, let's let's make it, let's make it, let's break it down to a, like I think an easier um, language, which is like uh, uh, right now there's a moment that, that American Jewry for the first time feels less safe than, than uh, Israeli Jewry. There has been real anti-Semitism. Like yes. real, like yes. real anti-Semitism has shown its uh, reared its ugly head, um, and I don't imagine it's going to diminish anytime soon. Wow, you know, I I, I can't believe I, I I like live to the day to see real American anti-Semitism flourish. Um, um, there's a thing here, like I'm all for American Jewry coming home, all for it. You know, I once told one of my uh, more liberal students who claimed that I was only interested in people who think like me. I said, you know what? That's not true. Give me all the progressives, all the liberals. Give me a million progressive American liberal Jews. You can leave all the right-wing religious there because they'll more likely be fine. You know, but I just come home. Thing is, yeah. is don't think what you're doing is running to to safe free base. Like we're getting out while we can and jumping because right. there's a tremendous amount of work to be done here, and it ain't right. easy. Right. Come because and you believe it's where you want to be, and not because you feel like you're running away from where you don't. And when they do come, we will have to deal with the garbage that they bring. I really oh, believe yeah. that. When you yeah. when you have Russian Jewish Aliyah, so what do you have? You have with it uh, uh, of status. But what, what you have with a lot of advantages, they bring their chess and they bring their high tech and they bring their culture and their and their Olympic uh, 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 sportsmen. They, they push our country into the twenty first century. Right, but they also bring with it, you know, pork. And prostitution and alcoholism and other things that are more common in the Russian Jewish diaspora. And American Jews, you know, they'll bring with them their can-do attitude and a lot of good American stuff. And they'll bring with it uh, gay rabbis and more of the reform movement and all kinds of stuff like that. That, like, let's put it this way: the Russian Jewish part of me is like, where is that coming from? What is that? <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, I'm an yeah. American that that doesn't. The stuff doesn't make me flinch. Right, but because that's correct. exactly it. You, you don't exactly. choose. If we're, if I'm really inviting people to to say come home. So come That's on, right. folks. That's what home is. Home is where we accept you as who you are. We might fight about it over the dinner table. Right. But we're still going to feed you and clean up, and and, and the, the door is always open. All right. We I want to touch one more topic with you, and we've gone almost an hour, so I just want to uh, finish off with this, which is uh, – here it is. Whoa, here's the camera right there. Okay. Uh, we're talking about the camera. The techelet. The techelet. Right. Okay, let's just, we... let's just – let's talk about that just for a second. We have uh, – we have uh, – Something that's in this week's Torah portion, which is, in one way, you can't exactly understand why would it connect 
exactly why they connect. But the end of the Torah portion is that the Jews rejected the land of Israel. They're going to get a horrific punishment. And that punishment is uh, to walk in the desert until a whole generation dies out. Uh, Kalev and Yoshua are still going to be with this generation, and they're going to lead them into the land of Israel. Moses, it's not exactly uh, uh, stated um, overtly, yeah. but but we, you've, you've mentioned it, that in, in many ways he's going to be amongst the generation that doesn't go into the land of Israel uh, due to the sin of the spies. Uh, and then there are other things in the Torah portion that are important, but it, it ends with a paragraph that we say every single day, two, may, maybe some people three times a day, which is some people with the Kriya Shema, Alamita of the Arizal, they say the whole Kriya Shema. The three parts, you're right. Right, so the three parts. So we talk about the tzitzit, uh, the clothing that, the four-corner garment that a Jew is supposed to wear. It's like we graduate four times a day because we've got these tassels on four sides. And so that's a little silly joke of mine. Um um, and then within that is supposed to be actually a dye, which is which is made out of a snail. Uh, which is found, that's right, <laughs> and it's found on the coastline of the Mediterranean. Uh, and and Phoenicia was famous for this color, but but you're supposed to put that color on on one or two of these strings uh, and create a a blue fringe. Uh, there was a band used to be called Blue Fringe. Remember that band? Yeah, and you're supposed to wear that on uh, the men. Men folks are supposed to wear that on their on their clothing, uh, yes. to keep you keep your mind away from negative thoughts. Uh, and it's got a kind of a dual purpose. On the one hand, it's keep away from bad thoughts and from licentiousness, and on the other hand, kind of remind you of God and and of your mission as a as a as a priestly people. I mean, the essence is is the ma'antis karu v'asitimotam, in order that you should remember and do. Right? And 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 memory is, as I mentioned before, is the heart and soul of the task of Am Yisrael in the world. Memory is, my rabbi used to call it, the incorporative faculty. How is it you bind all the pieces of the past together into one thing? If you think about how tzitzit work, right? You, you, you bind it all together into one thing. And the color techelet has many messages. One of the most beautiful that was ever pointed out to me is that, you know, if you take a cup of water or just a bottle of air, it's clear. But when you look at the ocean or the sky, they're blue, right? Right, and 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 the midrash actually says right? The is like the sea. The sea is like the sky. The sky is like the 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 holy throne, right? Um, that 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 color blue represents the wholeness which emerges out of doing all of the mitzvot. So we we often make the mistake of thinking that mitzvot are a list of things to do today. I got to this one. I didn't get to that one. It's it's logical that that's that way because practically speaking. You know, you can't do every mitzvah every day. And and even the mitzvahs you can do every day, we don't always succeed. And that's just life. But don't miss the wholeness, says God. I want you to understand. It's not just what you do. It's who you are to me mm -hmm. that matters. See the wholeness of the sky or the sea before you scoop up that cup of water you need to drink or the breath of air. And understand that that's actually memory. If you have the whole picture, then your individual actions will gain the meaning, which will allow you to have the mission. And you'll no longer go astray after your heart and your eyes, which are tremendously tempting and if you're doing what we call cheshbonut, like this, not that, and I'll do this, and that, you could, you could, you could, you know, air a little here and there. It's fine. We'll work it out. But if it's about who you are, as opposed to just what you do, well, then the wholeness really matters. Yeah, uh, and I will add to it that this Torah portion is about the land of Israel, and also about exile. It's about the rejection of the land of Israel, being rejected from it, one way or the other. You're not going to be in the land of Israel. 
And so the end of the Torah portion says to you, I'm going to give you a piece of clothing. I'm going to make you separate than the nations when you're amongst the nations. I'm going to give you a, a, an ability to survive as a unique people uh, with a unique mission, even though you're not in your land. And that's going to be your, your blue and white. It's going to be, you're going to always carry your, your flag with you. You're going to remember to stay away from straying, but you're also going to remember that you're a separated people. And then when you're in gathered into the land, then you're going to remember that you have a, a different mission, a global mission. But in the meantime, while you're out there, while you're out in exile, I, I want to keep you because uh, I have a mission for you. I'm not, I'm not letting you assimilate and be forgotten. I want to keep you as my, uh, as my people. Uh, and that is your, 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 the other side of that is that you are also priests to me. So I want to keep you from assimilating, from getting lost. But when you come into the land or even when you're out there, I want you to remember your priestly duties. And, and there's like an element of like, there's a, a sad element that, that it didn't work out. This Torah portion is tragic. Uh, but within it are little signs that the mission is not forgotten. I'm going to remember you forever. It's for sure tragic. Yeah. It's for sure tragic. But at the same time, the very tragedy is what makes it real. Meaning the, the ideal notion that we have that um, one day we'll liberate ourselves from what's holding us back, we'll find our sense of purpose and just sort of march in an uninterrupted fashion toward fulfillment is just like that. It's idealized. But, but, but uh, you know, the old saying, it's a long walk into the woods, it's a long walk out. That mm -hmm. 210 years of slavery and all the challenges that we faced and who we became aren't going to disappear overnight, right? And in the same way, people need to take that to heart today in our current return is there are a lot of people who, who have a sense of achzava, of, uh, of disappointment in the, the states that were supposed to be, and my dream, et cetera. And by the way, they're in, in response, there's a lot of the messianic now. Peace now, Mashiach, right. now. Why? Because people, they, they fail to understand that we are in a long process. 2,000 years of exile could take 2,000 years of building to really return us to our glory. It could be. I'm a netzach, lo yifached, Right? The eternal people aren't afraid of the long haul. That's right. And that's why I think that actually there's a beauty in that tragedy. It teaches us the, the reality of life. Absolutely. And, and within all of the tragedy in the Torah, there's always, there's always a redemptive part. There's always a, a moment that God says, and I won't forget you. For example, in this week's Torah portion, we have the challah, the mitzvah of challah, to take from the dough. And God says, when you were in the land of Israel, take from the dough and give it to the Levites. And that's exactly the point. The point is, is that God's like, I oh. wink, wink. You're going to exile, but you'll be back. You'll be back. Uh, I want to thank our friend uh, Seba Uramadu. I only wish that Seba would have told me, would tell us where he's from. He writes, I love your discussions. They are very rich. Keep it up. That's right. They are rich. They are rich because they are uh, hopefully <clears throat> trying to channel <clears throat> a wealth of our inheritance. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. The great, the great channel of blessings from above. Rabbi Mike Foyer, I want to thank you so much for joining me. I want to tell, first thing, remind everybody that we've been learning, I forgot to put this one up, the Torah portion of Parshat Shlach, or Shlach Lecha. And I also want to wish everybody a Shabbat Shalom. Oh, and I want to uh, thank you for being with us. Always and pleasure. there it is. Oh, Rabbi Mike Foyer, there it is. JewishStory.co. So, Rabbi Mike, thank you so much for joining us here, uh, and we'll see you again, Bezrat Hashem, next week. Um, right. And lots of blessings to you, and thank you so much for filling our life with blessings. Amen, amen. Shabbat shalom. All right, Rabbi Mike, thank you so much for being with us. All right, everybody, thank you so much for being with me. Uh, I'll just finish up by saying that uh, our Torah portion uh, also has um, in it the 
great story of Hebron. The Jewish community of Hebron continues to hold up for all of us uh, the chance to visit Hebron, uh, to visit the fathers and the mothers. We're still fighting for Hebron today. Caleb fought to get in there, and it says that Hebron was, was built seven years before Tanis in Egypt, and today you could still visit Hebron, and, and you could, you, you, you could build, take part in building it. It's very, very uh, a powerful frontline thing. There are forces that want to destroy us and swallow us. We won't let them. And of course, with your help as well. So please visit hebronfund.org. Support us and book your tour for when COVID is over uh, or your virtual tour as well. And I also want to ask you to support uh, what I'm doing, uh, including uh, uh, work uh, teaching in our Knesset, in, in Israel's legislative body, including uh, flags in the land of Israel, including this radio show, including a narrative warfare where we defeat the subversive narratives and the spin of the spy. So uh, I, I so very much appreciate uh, your, uh, your love and your support and your friendship. So that's it, folks. God bless you. Thank you so much. Hit like on the uh, on the on this video cast. Follow me on Twitter, where I have a lot of fun at Yishai Fleischer. Uh, join me on the podcast, which includes other segments, um, which is which is really easy to follow. Which is at the Land of Israel Network uh, and also YishaiFleischer.com. Just stay connected. Shabbat shalom to all of you. Shabbat shalom to Lou Weiss, to Jordan Hutchins, to Alvera, to uh, who else? To Erica. Where does where is Erica from? She says, Shabbat Shalom from another sunny week in Sweden. Sorry to miss most of your discussion, but what I heard was so interesting as always. Just love the show. Love the Parsha. When the pandemic is over, please come to this unusually cold country and melt the hearts and wake up the Swedish Jewry. Absolutely, Erica. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready uh, to visit Sweden 100%. We'll get some gigs going. We'll have fun. And Jordan uh, Hutchins says, your God reigns. Amen. So blessings from Hebron. Blessings from Jerusalem, blessings from Zion, from the from the land of blessings to the world. Lots of love. Stay connected. Stay part of the story. And shalom. Only the poem that sets the heart on fire, says Uri Tzvi Greenberg, is not a falsehood like all other achievements. Its truth is the only truth. And I'll tell you the truth. I'm here to try and tell you the truth as I see it, because I'm Rav Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Join Rav Mike Foyer for the best Jewish history podcast, The Jewish Story, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. All right. Shalom, everybody. All right. This is fun. Uh, I want to say hello to everybody out there. Uh, the Yishai Fleischer Show is broadcasting live on Facebook, on uh, Twitter, actually. We're going to do it uh, on our Periscope, and it's Yishai and Malka. We are together with you, so it's a lot of fun, and you can definitely leave your comments and questions. We're looking at the comments right now live, so any issues that you want to talk about is, are going to be discussed. And shalom and welcome. Malka, uh, almost Shabbat shalom. We have a very special Shabbat. The Shabbat is uh, a Shabbat that is about the sin of the spies and about really the hero of the Jewish people that overcomes the sin of the spies, and that's Kalev ben Yifuneh. Uh, that's an amazing Jew, a Judean Jew, uh, who refuses to bow to some of the fear 
narratives and fear doctrines that are being espoused. If you look today on the times of Israel, you could already find that the sin of the spies is alive and well. There's an article right now, Malka, about APAC, and it's basically like, now I don't know if it's true or not. My colleagues are telling me it's not true. Hi, Lou. Shalom, Lou. Welcome to the program. Uh, my colleagues are telling me that uh, APAC is not telling people that it's okay to criticize Israel for wanting to be sovereign in Judea and Samaria. But the bottom line is, the article says that APAC is telling American congressmen that it's okay to criticize Israel because we understand that you're angry that Israel would be uh, annexing or being sovereign in Judea. All that kind of language at the end boils down to one simple thing, fear and fear doctrine, okay? Uh, fear doctrine is just something that is in people's hearts today. We have to help them get out. And it's just so ironic that you see the fear doctrine being played out in the newspapers, fear doctrine specifically about Jews, sovereign in the land of Israel. You see that just like the Torah portion. Torah portion has got Jews that are all afraid. They're like, we can't defeat the Gentiles. What is? What are people going to say? And people are going to be all upset about it. And Kalev ben Yifunet fights back. So there you go, Malka. That's the uh, the Torah portion. And you and I are actually going to go to Hebron this Shabbat in order to live out the actions of Kalev ben Yifunet, who was not afraid. Kalev and Joshua were the spies who were not afraid uh, to go into the land of Israel. So are you excited about that, Malka? I am excited about it. I think it is definitely an interesting time to be having this Torah portion um, in which we talk about the sin of the spies. And I think that um, like we could definitely discuss it on the current events level. We could also discuss it on the spiritual level. I think that all of us can fall into a place where we would not necessarily say the nicest thing about the land of Israel or about the future of Israel. Um, and we always have to remember that that's not the cool way. That's not the good way. That's not the Yehoshua and Kalev way. Um, and you see it manifested in so many ways. And uh, one of them, it, in the current events framework is definitely this issue of what's going on with, with annexation. Should we annex, not annex, annex through the Trump deal, annex independently, call it annexation or call it sovereignty. Should we do it in coordination with diaspora jury? Should we say diaspora jury, you step aside, we're going to take our own path on this one. Right. Um, we have even within the, the camp of people who you would think are like the Kalev and Yehoshua camp, right? Who want the Jewish people to lay claim to their land, who believe that we can um, successfully do that. Because, right, what is the Parsha about? The Parsha is basically about that the Jewish people are about to go into the land of Israel, which God five minutes ago was like, listen, I'm giving you this really great gift. And all you got to do is go in and like, it's going to be great. And then they're like, it's not going to be great. It's not going to be great. The land eats its inhabitants and we cannot do it. And then everyone's like, oh no, what do we do? They get back. What are we going to do? We can't do it. And God's like, didn't I just, didn't we just talk about this? We talked about this five minutes ago. And then you have the two spies, Kalev and Yehoshua, who are like, of course we can do this. And they're like, they're completely... Um, not tied in to the real politique of the rest of the tribes. And they're just, they go with, uh, they go with gumption really. Um, and so like, for example, we had, we we're talking about this story with APAC. Now APAC for years and years, ever since I remember when I was a little kid, which was only so recently when I was a little kid, 
And you talked about APAC. APAC was the organization that did pro-Israel stuff in Congress. That's what we know, right? But it occurred to me today, Isha, as I was a little bit looking into what APAC's mission statement is, that APAC doesn't exactly say, now, I don't know if the mission changed or if maybe I'm just reading it with fresh eyes or something, but the the APAC mission statement does not say that it is a pro-Israel it does not, no, excuse me, it is pro-Israel. It does not say that it is It is going to promote Israeli policies. What it says is that it's pro-Israel and that it works to maintain good ties between the United States and, Amer and Israel. Now, when you think of it as an organization that works to maintain close ties between the United States and Israel, you realize that it's an organization which really does put a lot of weight in the idea that America should be happy with Israel, right? Um, that not just that Israel should be getting what it, the kind of support it needs from America. And for example, in this story that had to do with, um, with uh, being telling legislators that they should feel free to criticize Israel for its plans to apply sovereignty, it also said, but don't touch the funding. Right. It doesn't want the under the Obama administration, Netanyahu signed a 10 year defense funding agreement, which in itself has its own problems. I remember from when we read it back during the administration days, the Obama administration days where it kind of requires Israel not to compete with the United States in certain um, defense money making things. Um, but so so APEC it does see itself as an organization, which is a pro-Israel organization, but as part of its stated mission, it wants to keep a very good U.S.-Israel relationship. And on the one hand, it sort of tries to get Congress people to think well about Israel. But on the other hand, it appears that APAC wants Israel to be doing stuff that ensures that America is never upset with it, right? That especially this thing with funding seems to be a, a big issue. So some of us might say in the Kalevin Yehoshua framework, we might say, well, you know, we live in a, in a real world and, and America has helped us to accomplish uh, so much in terms of acquiring an, uh, Israel and achieving different uh, milestones and different accomplishments in Israel. We gotta keep going that direction. But then the pure Kalev and Yehoshuaists would say, we don't need anybody. We don't need anything. We don't need American support and we don't need money and we don't need any of these things. And I think that most Jews are not necessarily on the end where you don't need anybody or anything. And they're not on the end where we have to completely kowtow to the United States. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm not sure that, that Kalev and Yoshua were asking the question of whether we need another superpower. I think they were just saying, be courageous and, 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 and do what you're asked to do, which is to go into the land of Israel, fight the bad guys, and you could do it. Right. Uh, and, and I think, I personally think that the answer is actually quite simple. We're part of the world. We're, we love the world. The world is important to us, but we're not going to let the world like push us around. Like all you have to do is kind of be normal. Like, like right, I, ironically, see, is, for, when you talk about being normal, Isha, we have this issue, right. Of applying sovereignty. Okay. 
Now, here in Israel, we have a lot of people who support the idea of applying sovereignty. There are people who want to make it seem like this is like a big debate in Israel, that like it's really divided in Israel, whether people want sovereignty or don't want sovereignty over these lands. And I would say that most people do want sovereignty. But the question is, how do we achieve this sovereignty? Even here in Judea, you have mayors and heads of regional councils who say, yes, let's do it. We can do it, right? Just like Kelev Ben Yafunes said, let's go, let's go up and we can we can take it. But let's only take the parts that the Trump deal feels comfortable with, the parts that, you know, it's so very clearly completely filled with Jews and there's barely or almost or no Arabs inside. And we'll take those places. Let's take what we can get and let's not worry about applying sovereignty to the rest. Let's take this. And this we'll deal with at some other time. It's, it's not a good time. And if we try to do it now, it's going to be disastrous, right? And then you have other people who say, why is it that we should insinuate to people through the applying of, of sovereignty of this tiny space that somehow we shouldn't be applying sovereignty to the rest of the space? Isn't it a bad message to say, apply sovereignty right here and then not here? Or is it a good strategy to apply sovereignty here because then it will kind of de facto ultimately give us sovereignty here. And so we have like a, we have a big debate as to what is the like, why are you laughing? It's just, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's starting to sound impossibly complex for people to understand. I think the bottom line is we want to assert sovereignty in our land. There are some people who, who are afraid to, uh, to, to hold on to the parts that there's a lot of Arabs in. Uh, so, the Trump administration has given us a certain plan, but that is not the way you do sovereignty. The way you do sovereignty is without, you don't need American banking to do sovereignty. You do sovereignty and then get American banking. That's that's just a simple formula. Just like uh, Menachem Begin. Menachem Begin asserted sovereignty over the Golan Heights because he thought it was right, because he thought we needed it for security. 38 years later, the Americans agreed to it. Everybody says to me, we have a window of opportunity right now. I'm like, if you want to apply sovereignty because you think it's your sovereign land, so do it right now. Why do you have to right. wait? Why, when what, is the window closing? Right. Well, but on the other hand, there is a good Trump administration. But the way to do it, the way to do it is to assert sovereignty. And then behind you, people will be like, well, they mean business. We respect them. And we're, gonna, and we're going to agree that Israel is indeed sovereign to that. But it's not that you're sovereign because somebody else agrees. They agree because you know you're sovereign. That's the way to do it. And then people will be like, okay. Uh, I just want to say hi to all the folks, the nice folks that are with us right now. I said before, Lou Weiss, shalom to Lou. Martin McNabb says shalom from Northern Ireland. Shalom to you, Martin. And Slancha, L'chaim <laughs> in, in Gaelic. And uh, Chaim Tabib mentions Rudy Rockman, our good friend. And uh, Brian McSeo says shalom. shalom. And, and Julie says, good morning from New York. So happy to catch you guys live. Shalom, yes. hi, Julie. Julie. And Mar Keep your mask on. And Mark Rice says, hi, Ishai. Mark Rice with you at APAC from Chicago, but a fellow Texan with your wife. All right, so that's good. Uh, shalom to uh, New York and Texas. Uh, Sharon Tidmore says, I admire you guys. Love. James Mantle says, God bless Israel. I love, God I love bless this. you. See, look at this. I, oh, do you know if I can press a button? And oh, then, you look like at that? that. James is on the screen. That's right. And so is Sharon. All right. Isn't that cool? Wow, that's fun. Right. And Yoel O says, Hi. Hi. 
Hi. Okay. And um, and then and then there's this. We just chop BB up. How can he do it? Maybe if Bennett comes in. Oh well, I don't think we're chopping anybody up. I think uh, that well, I we. I think have... she's concerned that that BB got weakened, and she thinks that BB won't have the opportunity to be as hard nosed as she thinks he would have been had Gantz not been, you know, breathing down his neck. Uh, and also our good friend Erica from Sweden, who invited me yesterday to come to Sweden. Shalom Alkanisha, Erica from Sweden. Again, wow, how nice to be live with both of you. I enjoy your lively Hungarian type of discussion. Yes. That's, right, that's right. That's Malka is the Hungarian. Put the paprika. Um, you're right. I'm the Pole. She's the Hungarian in, in this family. In any case, uh, this Shabbat is a very special Shabbat. And it's really, uh, uh, in Hebron, we have a few Shabbats. Uh, one of the Shabbats that we have in Hebron is this Torah portion called Shlach. It's really the story of the rejection of the land of Israel, but also within it, the uh, love of the land of Israel and following the ways of God fearlessly, because that's the subtext of the whole Torah portion, which is fear um, and uh, not having fear or overcoming, overcoming fear is a key aspect of, of the land of Israel. And that's really the wars that we fought, the miracles that we've seen. God wants us to hold on to our land. He's, he, he, he is, he gives recognition to those kind of Jews who are courageous or brave and, and don't falter. Uh, that's the whole story of the Bible. Uh, and so this Shabbat, we're going to go to Hebron and really um, uh, really uh, celebrate that kind of personality. Let me just show you two more uh, people saying hi. We got Elaine, who says, Shalom Yishai in Maka. Maka. Right? And Yoel Oz asks, do you favor sovereignty over just Area C or the whole territory? Look, uh, the big picture is very simple. I, b I believe that Israel should be sovereign over all its land right now. And we'll figure out a way to deal with the elephant in the room, which is the Arabs. Okay, so you have a question about the Arabs in the land. Okay, that's what we're going to deal with. We're going to figure out how to give them the most rights without endangering uh, the balance of our um, of, of our Jewish state. There was, a, there was a good word that I heard yesterday, but I forgot how it went. It was a good word that I heard from a very famous lawyer, Gautier. Uh, but in any case, uh, that's what we should do in terms of holding on to our land. But if you say to me that there's a tactical move, that we're taking steps, and we're now going to next the next part of the land of Israel, fine. If you want to do just Area C right now because you don't know how to deal with Area A and B, which is another way of saying that you don't really Wait, know. Ishai, you know, you're, you're quick to say that, that we could do it in pieces or we can do it in whole. But I myself am concerned about it a little bit. I think to myself, if we, like, on the one hand the fact that we're talking about applying sovereignty is an incredible thing and not something we were talking about five years ago in such a tangible way. Uh, it was, it was certainly a dream that we've had, but not something that's like about to be happening ostensibly. Um, so in this, in that sense, like anything that we can say that we're applying sovereignty to, where'd you go? I, I had a phone. I had a cell phone. Are you phone. okay? Are it's you okay. okay? It's a cell phone's okay. It's oh okay. Oh my yeah. gosh, it's okay. It's it got okay. a little scary there. I'm okay. Yeah. So, um, so on the one hand, it's incredible to apply sovereignty to anything, right? Any street, any tree, anything that we can say sure. is is ours is like an incredible thing. And after two thousand years, it's like a miracle. On the other hand, if we apply sovereignty to a limited area. What will that do to the national yearning for the rest? Will the nation say, yes, we have some of it. Now let's go get the rest. That was amazing. Or will they say, look, we're practically set up here. We got a lot of the good stuff that we wanted. 
these Jewish communities are no longer threatened. We're going to call all of this Israel. And like, we don't actually need the Ritz. Let's just like wrap this up already. Let's let's make the Palestinian state. It'll probably be fine. They said they wanted a, a Palestinian state and then they're going to calm down. The whole world is breathing down our neck. There's anarchy all over the world with the, defunding everything. And, and, you know, the ICC, the International Criminal Court is like, is like, drooling at the idea of getting some like high level Israeli officials into their court and trying them and jailing them and like all kinds of crazy world government stuff. Let's just cut this part out. It's a lot of like hilltops and deserts and stuff. What do we need this for? So I wonder, you know what I mean? When you talk about doing this in stages, I don't know. I'm saying that if that's what my government is doing right now, I can back it. Let, let me, I again want to simplify it a little bit for everybody. For me, I have a very simple formula. And I, by the way, I just want you to know that like intellectually speaking, I oftentimes think it's important to know how to reduce things. My sister, who's a scientist, said to me that a famous scientist once said, if you can't explain your experiments in lay terms, there's a problem. You, you don't know what you're doing. I like to reduce it to simple things. I do not believe that there is, that anybody else has a legitimate right for self-determination on our land. I don't believe that there should be a Palestine in the land of Israel. I don't believe that that's legitimate, legal, historical, or accurate. I also believe that they will make war upon us. But even if they didn't, even if the Arabs were perfectly nice, sweetest, sweetest people in the world, I would not for one second think that there's anybody else who has a legitimate right for self-determination on our land. That's right. that's that's what I believe. Uh, I believe that on a- It's either yours or it's not. Right. Exactly. I don't. It believe... doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are, right. how big you are, how small you are, how strong you are, how weak you are. Right. It's either yours legitimately or it's not yours legitimately. That's right. That's exactly it. And therefore, I don't like plans that say, "You see, the the Arabs will never be able to reach this uh, uh, to be good enough. They'll never be able to be Canada, and therefore, and therefore, earn or merit the right, right. to this land." I'm like, this I... leader. This leader is violent. Right. And he calls for the destruction of Israel. So he's not worthy of leading a Palestinian state. No, I don't believe in that kind of language at all because the land is not theirs. It's our land uh, on a historical, legal, moral, uh, judicial, every, every, every religious, every, uh, uh, every kind of paradigm, not, not, not every parameter of, of analysis for rights, I think points that we have the right to this land. That's what I believe. And so therefore the question is, how do we deal with Gentiles, non-Jews in our land? This is an ethnic national state. We have minorities living amongst us. So that's the question. I have a formula for it, which I think is the Torah's formula. I think it works well. Uh, so when I said that I would agree to, to uh, piecemeal sovereignty, it's because, okay, that's what the state of Israel does. Better that than nothing. Like, for example, it was better that the state of Israel uh, uh, annexed the Golan Heights. It was better that they annexed Jerusalem. They didn't all do it at the same time, but it was better. And so, too, if there's a process, it would be better. Okay, so that was Yoel Oz's question. I think we answered that. Now, watch this. Leah Behar says. Leah. Excuse me. What Please. My daughter's name is Leah. Leah. Why did I say Leah? I don't know. I don't know. You're. I don't know. I don't know. I was reading in English. There was a rose there. I don't know. Well, you can tell us, Leah, Leah, which you prefer. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. What'd she say? Uh, she writes, the Jews in America need to come home right now. Not to reject Eretz Israel. Come home now. Okay, so so Leah says that it's time to come to the land of Israel. I've uh, definitely been hearing more talk. 
There's like definitely that. there's definitely more talk about. I it. think now, especially in certain places which have dealt now with illness and unrest, I think that there is uh, definitely a talk about where this whole American Northeastern Jewry thing is going. And and just like we talked about before, though, about the Palestinian state, which is it doesn't matter if they're good and or bad. There should never be a Palestine in this land. So too, I say to American Jews, it doesn't really matter if it's good or bad in the United States or, or anywhere around the world. You're invited to come home because living in the Holy Land is an awesome, awesome spiritual experience. And it's also nation building. And it's one of the greatest opportunities of all time. So I say to people, if you feel under threat, uh, either by COVID or by riots, come home to the land of Israel. But or, if you, or if you don't feel, but if you don't feel under threat, and you just feel like having a great day living in Jerusalem, Judea, or Tel Aviv, or a lot, then then come home also. Uh, and if you can't come home, uh, then stay connected as much as possible. That's what I always say. Try to stay connected as much as possible. And I, that's that's my it's my it's my uh, shita. How do we say shita? My, uh, my method. My method. My methodology, which is that. Just find a way to plug in. Yes, the highest level is to live here, and we certainly are calling you. We'd love to. We'd love for you to be our neighbor. Uh, but if you can't do that, find a way to stay connected. Let's get to the next person. We got Kobe, two five three three seven five nine nine. He says, "Pay them the Arabs to leave, and, or or accept second class citizenship. Um, pay them to leave is is fine. That's that's fair. Uh, they have that in, in in different situations. It really means it doesn't mean pay them to leave. It really means uh, humanitarian assistance for people to emigrate to other places that they'll fit better. Uh, but second-class citizenship, uh, I understand what you're saying, but the language is not the right, right. language. The language that's, is not the right That's not going to fly today. Right. It's not, it's not the right language. And instead, I think you want to say, you know, that you'll have residence uh, or, or uh, benefits residency, um, which you're going to get a lot of the benefits of the state of Israel and the upward mobility of it, uh, but you're not necessarily going to vote. Uh, but just like you can be a citizen of the United States by living in Puerto Rico, but you don't necessarily vote for president, uh, so too uh, uh, other people that may uh, endanger the Jewish character of the state of Israel may not necessarily have the right to vote, but that doesn't mean they don't have the liberties of the state of Israel. Okay, another another question. Mark Rice says, Moshe, Look, I can't even see over this. Huge question. <laughs> Am I looking at it? Okay. <laughs> For those of you who are listening on the radio, you have to know that we're also broadcasting live on Facebook. Right. Um, so that's why some of it may not be so understandable to you. Okay. Basically, Ishai is posting these comments on the screen. Ishai, how can people t tune in if they're if they're listening on the radio? Well, it, how can they tune into this uh, these broadcasts? It's very easy. Just our Facebook page, uh, the Ishai Fleischer Facebook page, or Ishai Fleischer on Twitter, or Malka Fleischer Twitter. It's very easy to follow us. Just have, type in our name and let Google do the rest. In any case, Mark Rice asks, Moshe Dayan had the opportunity, had the window of opportunity in 1967 to have space for the Beit HaMikdash, the temple. Blew the chance. Hope we don't blow this wide open opportunity now to next the land that is ours. Given by Hashem, the Arabs will have it better in Israel, in Israel proper than anywhere, than anywhere else in the Middle East. I think Mark makes a lot of good points here. Don't miss on the right. opportunities. That's to right, and the that's land. how a lot of people feel: is if we don't take this chance now, right, uh, with a president who has a, an incredible track record of pro-Israel policymaking, then what's going to be with the next guy? We we don't know, and this is our opportunity. All right. So, uh, and I also agree with Mark's point 
which is very important, which is the Arabs will have it better in Israel proper. It's not, I don't even, I don't even want to get into the, uh, uh, the, the, the mechanics of that, but I just like Mark's attitude here, which is we want goodness for our Arab cousins. We want them to be blessed. We want to have our rights to our land and we don't want anybody else to take it away, but we don't, we want them to be blessed. Just that attitude, which is you stay here, you're a loyal citizen, you'll be blessed. And we, we don't can want benefit to, each other. We can benefit each other. If you want to make war, we will make war and we will win. If you don't want to make war, let's have a great time together. All right. Our friend Lou Weiss says, can you please discuss the riots in the USA and especially how it affects the Jewish community in Aliyah? Um, there's been there's been a rash of anti-Semitism. That's without a doubt. Right. That is without a doubt. I mean, I think like what we're talking about are, are with that one question, you're sort of talking about a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. I think that watching some of the videos and I understand that videos are videos, right? That they're meant to take like a small snippet and be like, holy moly, I can't believe this happened. Right. And so there are hours and hours of footage and you take a tiny little video to show that one example of something outrageous. So I know that the videos are not necessarily indicative of the entire situation that's going on in the in the United States, but I will say that I've seen some crazy videos, right? Not only do you see like shops boarded up all along the most like prosperous and prestigious streets in the United States, but you also see like nutbag stuff like people kissing the shoes of Black Panthers and, and police like choking people and making them pass out and there's, there's like a lot of crazy. There is definitely a lot of crazy happening. And here in Israel, there have been some um, like second wave protests and rallies in support of, um, you know, anti-racism and uh, black rights. And e the Ethiopian community has a little bit um, taken notice of this and, and some of their old concerns and, and grievances have come back up to the surface, but it's very different here. Even in this, we had one rally here, which was basically like a pro, like red communism, actually, meaning to say they, they flew red communist flags, um, red communism slash uh, pro-Arab rallies that were intended to piggyback off of the outrage over the George Floyd killing and sort of like exploit it in order to fight the, you know, Israel, the democracy, all these things together. But we, there were other rallies which were like anti-racism rallies and they were pretty clear. But he was asking about America. Right. But what I mean to say is that there is a very strong discrepancy between the way that America is addressing these issues and the way that Israel is addressing these issues. Yeah, America is being torn apart, but it's also so, so clearly in order to also uh, eject uh, President Trump from from the White House and put somebody else in. They're having a whole political battle over there. Right, but defunding might, police. Yeah, but I think you know. And, and yesterday, Rabbi Mike Foyer explained that like defunding police doesn't mean really defund the police. It means like you know put it more put money more into uh, non police yeah, neighborhood programs. stuff. Okay, fine. I don't even want to get into it. I'm saying if you don't feel good as a Jew in America, if you don't think that's the future, come to the land of Israel. But if you feel great in America, but you still love the land of Israel. Come, come because because you love the land because you want to be close to God. Uh, let's right. go on. Uh, first thing we are getting a Jonathan Powers says Shalom Misha and Malka. You, your name is often misspelled. I like it. I love the misspellings. I'm yeah. all about it. Shalom Misha. I feel so exotic. Malika. All right, Malika. Yeah. Boker Tov and Boker Tov Jonathan uh, says Yoel uh, Oz who's asking a lot of uh, uh, serious questions. He says, "Are you okay with autonomy? Uh, that means autonomy for the Arabs." 
I'll answer that question, you and I'll tell you, I don't like the term autonomy at all. But I don't mind the idea that there are enclaves, like cities, that Arabs live and have their own court systems and their own uh, norms of, of self, self-governments or self-rule within those cities. That I have no problem with, as long as, of course, it's non-jihadist, accepts the state of Israel, pays taxes and all this stuff. But if you want to have your own culture in your own city and your own style courts and your own style right. stuff, For example, I can live with even it. inside Israel, there are, even inside I- Jewish Israel, there's right. two court systems. More. There's even more. That's right. There's, but, a, but I'm saying amongst the Jews specifically, there's two court systems. Right. One is the civil court system and one, one is the religious court system. That's right. Now, the religious court system can't, can't see every case. They see specific cases, but those cases they can see, and you can opt out of the civil system and go into the religious system if all the parties agree. Absolutely. Okay. So we could do that there too. All right. So let's see. Uh, oh. Uh, oh. So Leia Bahar has corrected us. It's it's Leia. It's Leia. Yeah. And Jordan Mwesaka says, "God be with us, preacher. God be with you, my brother. Where are you from, Jordan? Let me know. Great name, also." Um, Erica says. She goes, I know, I'm from Hungary too. And you were so kind borrowing me, uh, borrowing me, lending me your phone on Tisha B'Av March three years wow. ago so that I could march with you on that unforgettable event. So, Dan Malka, I love you. And you should come with Yishai to Gothenburg. Yes. I'm, I'm that there. That sounds great. I, I, when planes we are will, flying. We will, go see, we will go see the whole world. Are you okay with the Palestinians if the Palestinians continue to fly their flag, and we call it Eretz Israel, and fly the, fl- the Israeli flag as an expression as both of our identities? says Eric Grosser. Eric, that's a fair question. I'm loving this format, yeah. by the way, where you, people you love, are yeah. sending in the questions. Yeah, it's this a lot is, of fun. This is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Eric, Eric, I'll tell you the truth. The answer is no and a little bit of yes. No and yes. I'll explain to you what I mean. If you're flying a, a different national flag, and if you believe, Eric, that we can meld two uh, uh, national narratives here, I don't believe that. I have a very good friend named Yehuda Cohen who believes that. I do not believe that. I don't believe that at all. I don't see that in the Torah. I don't see that in history. I don't believe that it could be another, uh, you know, some kind of uh, political narrative that's happening here at the same time and we could meld them together and, and hybridize them. I don't believe that at all. On the other hand, if you say to me that these people will accept the state of Israel but live in cities and somehow uh, but still feel that they have a different personal, you know, identity, Muslim, Arab, Palestinian, but accept the state of Israel, but they want to fly a flag that's not a national flag, but a cultural flag. Hey, well, here, let me show you an example. That that That's cool for me. Let me show you an example. Yeah. If people can see this, I'm going to hold it up to the screen. Yep. This is a Druze soldier. Right. Look, you can see him. He's in his army uniform. A Druze Israeli soldier. Druze Israeli soldier, right. okay? He's actually wearing, I just looked this up right now. He's actually wearing the Israeli army. Oh, thank you. Israeli army uniform. But he is holding very proudly a Druze flag. Maka, thank you very much for bringing that. That's actually exactly what I was thinking about. That's that was exactly what my that that's exactly the the kind of the thing. Did you see? Because you know, because you know that like most people guess I would say no, absolutely no other flag. But that's what I meant exactly. If you're a community and you have your own flag, I can understand that. It might take some time to rehabilitate that right, flag, though. Right. I'll be totally honest. But I, I don't think uh, it could I, be, don't, uh, I would never say never, but 
I think that for a long time, that flag has been used as like a revolutionary anti-Israel flag. Right. So I, we'll see if that will concretely happen. Okay. I cannot read uh, the Greek and the Greek alphabet. I just don't know the Greek alphabet. But it says from somebody there, Shalom from Cyprus. I am very – how many times have I said to you I'm excited to get to Cyprus? I'm dying like, to get to Cyprus. Like okay? 20 times. <laughs> so I can't wait. So – Whatever Cyprus and Israel have a little bit of an agreement now, I understand, in terms of travel. Absolutely. There's, a, there's you, a lot of Israelis can go to Cyprus, which it turns out I didn't know until kind of recently that Cyprus is a an extremely popular vacation site That's for right. Israelis. That's right. Israelis love to travel. They love to get out. Even though Israelis love to also travel inside Israel, they also love to get out of Israel and to go see things and go travel. And Cyprus is very close. And mm -hmm. the plane tickets are, the last time I checked, there were like 200 shekels, something like that for a plane ticket. And then you stay at like an Airbnb or you stay at some kind of like not expensive place. And then you're like Beach 24 Central. By the way, I'm, just, I'm looking right now on the Twitter and there we are live on Twitter. There we are, Monica. Look. Wait. We're live on Twitter. It's going to take some time, probably be on delay a little bit. Are we waving at <laughs> us yet? There! We're <laughs> waving! <laughs> well, that's great. Okay, that's cool, right? Okay, Yoel Karen says hi. Jordan says, I have no Jewish DNA, but but in black, can I make Aliyah? Aliyah. Ali says, I think, Jordan, I think it the word means Aliyah. I think you mean Aliyah. Jordan, you, first thing, remember, you, you, you may not have Jewish DNA, but you have a Jewish name, which is the name in the whole of the Great River in the Holy Land, which is Yarden, Jordan. And that's beautiful. Uh, Jordan, before we discuss Aliyah, conversion, and other things, how about you just come and visit the Holy Land? We'd love to see you here. And God bless you. Later on, he says, I think he says, I am from Tanzania. Ooh. I am from Tanzania. God That's bless you, Tanzania. Wow. We're so honored to have you listening all the way from there. By the way, this is what I was saying. Zalmi Kim says you have Islamic That's Sharia. Right. Courts That's what I was Islamic saying. Sharia courts, That's what right. I was going to tell you. All right. Here we go. Right in our apartheid state where you can't express yourself. All right. And that, that's right. Where else? Did, who did I want else to say hi to here? I see that uh, Luis, uh, Luis, 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 Luis says, hi, Sherry Sufi. Sherry Sufi's a friend, but I don't see him here right now yet. But, oh, there he is. Here wow. is my brother, Sherry. He says, shalom, mi Australia, mi Australia, harav. He says, hi, from Australia, my good friend, Sherry, who's wow, doing, who's so doing fabulous, fabulous work. you had work. him on the show. It was an amazing interview. I had him on the show. It was an amazing interview, and he's doing, he just did a show with uh, Professor Mordechai Kedar. Wow. And he's doing a lot of stuff. He's really making the rounds. He is making the, the rounds. And he's and we have now also good morning from Nashville from our good friend Debbie Blackshaw. Debbie, we Debbie, our longtime friend. Have I haven't heard from her so long. It's so fun. Uh and and now Gedalia, who's a very smart guy and a good friend of mine, says, and he has a great picture there on on uh, on Facebook. He says, Would you give somebody your couch to sleep on for the Aliyah? Putting us on the spot, Gedalia. What, what what's wrong, Gedalia? Your wife is kicking you out of the house again. <laughs> No, are you the, are you the doghouse? Come sleep no, over. It's not no, a problem. Yeah. Of course, we, of course. We, you know what? Actually, actually, it's an interesting question. Gedalia, interesting question. Let me let me hold up on that. Um, uh, Gedalia is asking about the couches. So a good friend of mine, and actually one of my mentors and my first boss here in Israel, Baruch Gordon, called me and he said, "Listen, let's help people make aliyah by telling them that we have uh, couches for them." Or, uh, you know, we're ready to feed them and do all kinds of stuff. And I said, you know what the truth is? The truth is, is that people have couches. It's not so hard today. Israel's got Airbnbs and hotels and places to buy. Not to mention, I think, and you get, I think they still have some absorption centers. Absorption centers. And you probably have friends. And, and it's not so hard to, to make it here in Israel. 
But I'll tell you what we haven't done. This is what I told Baruch Gordon. I think, and this is something up your alley, Gedalia, I think that we can have a rally in Israel inviting our brothers and sisters. A rally that doesn't say, hey, things are horrible in America, run away, come home. It just says in times of trouble and in not times of trouble, you're always invited, brothers and sisters. We have a home here for you. We have we have an opportunity for you, both jobs. Uh, now with the internet, it's so easy to so much easier to work remotely. I mean, if anything, I just thought of this right now. If anything, yeah. Corona has taught you that you can right. work remotely. So come that make Aliyah. That is very interesting what you're saying. Right? In fact, I saw a rabbi, I think Sivan Rachav Meir, right. who is a famous uh, speaker now and a rabbinite, and she's also on the news here in Israel, uh, who was off in Shlichut teaching Torah out in America and basically fled back with her family uh, when coronavirus hit America. She put up a video, I think it was on Twitter, of a Brooklyn rabbi basically saying, Zoom should teach you all that, like, you want to, you, you, if you're going to school on Zoom anyway, so go to school on Zoom in Israel. If you're sure. working for, on Zoom anyway, so work from Israel. And this is a Brooklyn rabbi who's really starting to think differently yeah. about Aliyah. Uh, you know, you know if, if anything, don't run away, but understand that there's a birth pang that's kind of shaking you out. Uh, from America and bring. Why not run away? Or... You could also run away. You could I can understand away. a person who feels th that that shaking of the of the force, I guess, out there, who's concerned with these times. And you wouldn't be the first guy either who decided that he's leaving some country because it's not so good for him anymore. Speaking of some country, Malka, we got yeah. a lot of friends from all over the world here that I want to say hi to. We have Shalom from Serbia. Oh, I heard Serbia is very beautiful. I'm, I'm actually very interested for many reasons in in Serbia and visiting Serbia. So I hope uh, that I'll get I'll get there one yes. day. Um, and we have also Shalom from Malaysia. Ooh. All right, uh, uh, Rina, Rina, Rihanna, Rina, Rihanna, some beautiful lady. Okay, wonderful lady from uh, from uh, uh, Malaysia with uh, with a beautiful heart uh, between the Muslim uh, country of Malaysia and uh, the the flag of Israel. So that's really good. That is such a great feeling. I, you know, I gotta tell you something seriously. You're making you guys are making me emotional here. Are you? I'm telling you because I just think why? Because because I'm an international person, even though I'm a big Zionist, you know, and I want to live in Israel, and my whole life is about building this country. I, I as 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 just a Jewish person who an Israeli person, I just love the world, right? And just to be able to sit here and to connect with Malaysia, Serbia, and here, uh, uh, Renee from New Mexico and uh, Rosalind from Canada. It just Ray and Roslyn. Ray and Roslyn. That's right. So yeah. just, just so, so cool. Then and we got, here we got. We have uh, here from uh, Shalom, brother and sister. I'm from Holland. Me and my husband longing to visit God's land, Israel. That's right. Okay, and that is so cool. That is just so great. And Listen, she says we have already have paid for the tickets. Yeah. And now we can't go to Israel. Well, we're we're sorry, and we really pray. We offer you a blessing right now that Hashem should, that the God of Israel should bring you personally. To, to come to his land that you want to see so much. 100%. And uh, I think that you're not alone. I think that there's a lot of people out there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to... I wanna... Ishai's holding up his... For those of you listening is, on the radio, yeah. Ishai's holding up his special grogger. This is my... My, my, for my Purim, Purim grogger. says, I love Israel with a little... 
this is this is my blessing to you. Yes. I, I'm trying to bless you to get on right, that the plane. bad energy. Yeah, bad in a way, bad away. And the good energy to come and you and all the people out there. There's thousands and tens of thousands of people around the world who I think realize now that the that the Israeli airports and ports are more or less closed how badly they want to be here yeah. and how much that they want to yeah, come. Yeah, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I want to tell you that, that Hashem, now I, I'm putting, just for one second, the coronavirus has killed many, many people and we pray for their souls. Right, it's not over yet, by the well, way. And it's not over yet. And we and really got to pray seriously. to Hashem that we stay healthy, all of us. And we've lost. None of us seem to be immune to this. Right, and these people have been lost and we have to pray for them. But I also urge you to look at the find the silver lining, the bright side of what has happened here. It's made us yearn more for the land of Israel. It's made us learn, as we talked about, that we can work on Zoom. Let's say, for example, you live in America and, and, and you can't make Aliyah, but maybe you could come for the summer and work the whole summer through. I know a guy who years ago went to our law school and made did not make Aliyah, just comes every summer and works the whole summer through at, at American hours so that his kids and his wife and him and like could live, live in, in Israel. Israel for a few months a year. And that's amazing. That's right. I know. And not everyone has that opportunity. All right. And there's also Shalom from Miami by Laura. Hi, Laura. All right, everybody. Uh, this is a very special Torah portion. This is a very special Torah portion. Um, let me just get a different banner up here for a second. That's right. We have a very special Torah portion. What's the Torah portion? Oh, here it is. Torah portion of Shlach. I want everybody to... Open up your uh, Tanakh, your Torah. By the way, Ishai's recommendation, no matter if you're Jew or not Jew, I don't care if you're living in New Mexico or Africa or Serbia, if you want to learn more about Judaism, buy the Art Scroll Stone Edition, uh, Blue, Five Books of Moses, Pentateuch. Pentateuch? This is a non-paid-for advertisement. Non-paid-for advertisement. No one is paying money yeah. for the, for this recommendation. I highly recommend that everybody who wants to learn more about Judaism has that. You can get it on artscroll.com, and my That's guess right. is you can even get it on Amazon. That's right. Tell them to give us some money for the fact yeah, that you Yeah, be like, it. yo. Yeah, okay. Or I'll take some free stone That's right. homage copies. That's right. Uh, uh, you could go there uh, and, and open up your Tanakh and learn about the rejection of the land of Israel and the fear by some Jews... And then Kalev ben Yifune, who heroically stood up to the rest of those Jews. And where did he get that strength? He went to Hebron. He went to Hebron. He went to the fathers and the mothers, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Leah, who were buried in Hebron. He visited it there. He prayed there. And he got strength to stand up to uh, an anti-land of Israel sentiment. And he got strength and instead was to... Uh, go go back to the people, fight with the bad spies, spent 40 years in the desert with the Jews in the punishment, but then came in at 85 years old to conquer the land of Israel and to conquer Hebron. Okay, whoever loves Hebron, whoever loves the land of Israel gets courage. Whoever has courage loves Israel, loves Hebron. And I really want to uh, uh, recommend that everybody visit and take part in it. I'm just bringing up the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the banner, which is hebronfund.org. Check that banner out. Uh, go support Hebron and help us build it. Now let's go back to uh, to the comments. To the comments for a second. Let me turn this off. Go back to the comments. Let's see. What do we got? We have more shaloms. I love it. I love it. Yisha, I love this format. Yeah. Do you love it? Yeah. yeah. I hope it's still fun for our radio listeners. Yeah. I wanna I wanna ask you everybody if we should be doing more of this. Yeah. Do you want to see more shows? Do you want to see more live like this? Let me know or right now. Or you like? Ugh. 
Yeah, not really. Is this is this an important part of your day? I was thinking about doing like at ten o'clock at night Israel time. Anyway, let me know. So Victor Valdez says shalom from Seattle. Shalom Seattle. I love Seattle. It's one of my favorite towns. I've never been to Seattle. It's a great town. And um, and Michelle, Michelle says shalom from Asheville. Asheville, Asheville, North, Asheville Carolina. No, no, North Carolina. Shalom, Michelle. Never been there, but I've been to North Carolina. And the rest of the folks are all saying. All our people who are yes. with us on video right now would like some more shows. All right. So all we'll, right, you should, we'll, I don't know. we'll prepare more questions, more issues, uh, and, and more blessings from the land of Israel. Right. You, you know how you know what I call it, the land of Israel. I call it the land of blessings. Okay. That is my uh, the tagline for the, for, for, this, for the state of Israel, for the land of Israel. It's a land of blessings, all kinds of blessings. Tel Aviv is also a blessing. Eilat is also a blessing. Hebron is a blessing. Jerusalem, of course, is the heart of all of our blessings. But right now, you're we're, when we're broadcasting, we're broadcasting right between Jerusalem and Hebron. We're here close to uh, Bethel, uh, to Bethlehem, Beit Lechem. Um, where's that? Where's that banner, Malka? You're not on the banners. You're on the comments. I'm on the comments. Let me turn that off. Um, and so, therefore. Uh, it, it's a land of blessings. It's a land of biblical blessings. It's a land of high-tech blessings. It's a land of great people blessings. And I said this yesterday on the show. I wanted to tell you something, Malka. Our, our sages tell us, how do you know that we're living in a time of redemption if the land of Israel is turning green, if there are fruit trees flowering and fruiting? Yes, they're fruiting, all right. They're fruiting? Then you know. And I want to add, how do you know that God's presence is in the land of Israel? When the Jewish people are in the land of Israel, if the Jewish people are home, that means God. That means that God is with us. And I said yesterday on the show uh, with Rabbi Mike that Alex Trayman showed me a Zohar. And the Zohar says that when it says that Kalev ben came to Hebron, the Spirit of God, God's presence, His Shekhinah, came with him to Hebron. It addressed itself in him and said. God is coming back to the land of Israel. God is coming back to the land of Israel. And that's what he was telling the forefathers and mothers. Uh, all right, folks. So that's it. We're going to finish off. I just want to give you one last thought, which is don't let them scare you. Don't let them make you afraid. It's rough out there. It's rough out there. It could be scary. There's you a lot of folks. Be, you wouldn't be weird to be a little bit scared right now. Scared. And also a lot of people will bully you. There's a lot right, of intellectual a lot of bullies, bullies, a lot, a lot of lot shaming of, and bullying yeah. and canceling and, and 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 calling you all kinds of names, shaming and bullying, and telling you that that you're uh, I don't know what a racist and a settler and, and angry an occupier. At you, just in general, angry at you for a multitude of things. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. When you stand with Israel, you stand with great strength, and you will see blessings. And when you have a problem, turn up to God and say, you know, please be with me, and remember that Mark and I are with you as well. Uh, finally, uh, check out uh, uh, my website. Lots of good content there. And also a donate button if you want to help us uh, promote more great stuff here in the land of Israel and many of the projects that we do. So check out yishaifleischer.com forward slash donate. And that's it. With that, I just want to wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Oh, yeah. If you have any more questions that we didn't get to here uh, on the comment section today, please write an email. Yishai at yishaifleischer.com and anything from Malka as well, Yishai at yishaifleischer.com. Very easy to reach us or here on Facebook or on, on Twitter. Lots of love, lots of blessings from the land of blessings. We love you. Shalom. Shalom, everybody. And we'll do more shows. See, we see, uh, says uh, here, uh, my friend uh, Howard says, Shalom from Long Island. 
definitely do more shows like this. Okay, we did will. We did in we indeed blah, 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 will. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Bye everybody. Cold tube. Shalom. Blessings. The Land of Israel Network is your connection to Israel and the Jewish world. Listen to our show hosts, Ari Abramowitz, Jeremy Gimpel, Eve Harrow, Josh Haston, Shlomo Katz, Mike Foyer, Yishai Fleischer, and more. Keeping you up to date on news, politics, and spirituality. That's the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Broadcasting the truth and beauty of Israel to the world.